Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to see you. And thank you so much for being here tonight. So in a moment, we're going to start with a few minutes sitting. <clears throat> and I'll ring the three bells. And we'll sit for about 10 minutes.
We'll now say the verse of the robe together. <clears throat> Vast is the robe of liberation, the formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Welcome again, <clears throat> wherever you are in the world and whatever time zone you find yourself in. It's wonderful to see you all this evening. I bought my first copy of uh, Zen Mind Beginner's Mind in a charity shop in 2008. And inside the front cover, it said to Hugh, happy birthday, 1994, Jim. And as I've read through my treasured copy of the book, I've often wondered about Hugh and Jim since they're in the book. And I wondered what Jim's feeling and motivation was to give Hugh a copy of the book. And I've decided for this story that Jim had really enjoyed Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. And as he thought Hugh was becoming interested in Buddhism, he wanted to offer him a copy for his birthday in the hope that he too would hear the Dharma through Suzuki Roshi's words. So for the purpose of today's talk, I'm going to say that Hugh's birthday was the 29th of March, 1994, 28 years ago. And it was a beautiful early spring day in the UK, as it has been recently. And we are in Hugh's room and he has a few friends round for drinks in his garden. And you can hear their voices and gentle laughter coming through the open door. And on a small table in the middle of the room are Hugh's birthday presents. There's Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which was first published in the spring of 1994 and on top of it Zen Mind Beginner's Mind and the photograph of Suzuki Roshi. There's a host of tulips tumbling out of a crystal vase, a chocolate birthday cake. For this particular story I've decided Hugh was born in 1953, so he's 41 today, and there are four candles 
encircling one candle on the top of the cake. And there's a pair of secateurs on the table, which is another present. And an early bee buzzes around the room and sparrows chatter in the trees. And the sun catches the crystal vase and throws light across the table and the gifts and the room. And with your own imagination, you can perhaps provide some of the colour and texture of the room. And you may be wondering, like me and like Hugh, does Hugh pick up Zen Mind Beginner's Mind? So we'll pause for a moment and we'll come back to Hugh. And I want to go back 16 years to 1978 when I was 27 and I'll tell you another story. In 1976, when Trudy and I met, we decided we would either go to a Hindu group or a Buddhist group in Eastbourne, where we lived. And in those days, the advertisements for groups were posted on health food shop windows. And I'd recently read um, a book called The Buddha by Trevor Ling. Well, I'd read the first 30 pages and really struggled with it. It was a very learned book about the Buddha. And I concluded that Buddhism was very cerebral and rather cold. And the advertisement for the Hindu group sounded really rich and juicy. So we went to the Hindu group. And two years later, <clears throat> in 1978, in the spring of 1978, we're living in uh, a community based broadly on Hindu principles. And on the morning of the 29th of March, 1978, same day, Trudy gave me the Tassahara bread book and then went off to work at her whole food shop. For the community, I used to cook all the bread. And I was very pleased to get this book because there were so many delicious recipes in it. And I read what Ed Brown, the Tenzo at the time, had written about Tassahara. Here at the monastery, 50 to 60 students practice Zazen, the traditional Zen me method of sitting meditation, and follow a daily schedule which includes services and lectures, meals, work, bathing and sleep. It sounded wonderful, but I was interested in the bread. So I didn't look any further into what Tassahara might be or where it might lead me to San Francisco Zen Center and to Suzuki Roshi, who died seven years previously. And so that afternoon, on the 29th of March, 1978, I made bread. I made Tassahara yeasted bread for people to have that evening. And over the years, I used many of Ed Brown's recipes, the book becoming loved with stains and annotations. Then, going forward 30 years, 
to the spring of 2008, and then I'm 57, I go to a church hall in Sheffield to listen to a Zen priest called Flint Sparks. He'd come across to Sheffield to teach Hakomi with Donna Martin and had offered to give an introductory talk into Zen Buddhism. And there I am, 30 years later, and I realise that San Francisco Zen Centre and Tassajara and all of the links uh, weaving itself through my life in the last 30 years have come to this place after 30 years. And following that, I bought a copy of Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. Let's go back to Hugh now. And Hugh returns home from having enjoyed a few beers with friends. That went well, he thinks. And he looks at his presence on the table, illuminated now by a lamp. And he picks up Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. And he looks through the pages and chooses page 64. <clears throat> he reads Suzuki Roshi's words. Every existence in nature, every existence in the human world, every cultural work that we create is something which was given or is being given to us, relatively speaking. But as everything is originally one, we are, in actuality, giving out everything. Moment after moment, we are creating something, and this is the joy of our life. Moment after moment, we are creating something, and this is the joy of our life. And he's tired. He kind of likes what he's read, but he goes to bed, having had a few beers. And at that point, I lose track of the story. I don't know what happens next. I don't know how the book arrived in the charity shop where I bought it. The Awakening Together Sangha has recently been expressing their precepts class, particularly the three pure precepts, is the shape of love. If you hear those words, what happens for you? The shape of love. For me, I have um, an image of a potter a blindfolded potter <clears throat> and she's um, throwing a pot on a wheel and she feels the clay with her hand and she's creating something from the invisible. She's creating a shape of a pot and the shape of the pot she's creating will be completely unique to her. It will be her expression of this art. And when I think of the shape of love, I think how we all create a different pot. We all have a different shape of what love is. And each person's pot, each person's love and kindness is 
different and particular, although there are many commonalities in love. And sometimes it's really easy to see someone's love and feel it viscerally. And sometimes it's more tricky to know, ah, this is her way of showing love. This is her way of being kind. I know many people who I'm really clear about when I see their expression of love. And others, sometimes I find it harder to understand it and receive it. So part of our work, I think, is to nurture that receptive quality of receiving love. And I'm sure you can all think of people in your lives whose love you've learnt from and who, whose love you've felt. Last week, um, I usually go to um, help look after my 15-year-old twin grandsons on a Wednesday. <clears throat> and um, usually before that, I usually make a meal to take to my daughter and, and son-in-law to kind of uh, make it easier for the, uh, the whole evening, which can be quite beautiful and wonderful and quite challenging. And last week, Trudy said, um, well, the, the, Eleanor and Jake are going out tonight and um, Ben and Sylvia are going to take over. And I felt um, a feeling of being dropped from the team. And she explained, actually, this is their kindness. They can see that you struggle to get on the floor and they don't want you to have to spend hours with two 15-month-olds. They're being kind. This is their love. They want you to rest. And it really cut through an idea I had about somehow being, not seeing what their love was. I've been living recently with the verse on opening the sutra. And the verse on opening the sutra says, an unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect dharma is really met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas, having to see it and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth the Tathagata's words. When I think about this verse, it's tempting to think that we, that the Dharma is really there. Because it says it's really met with. But I think what it's saying, it's not that the Dharma exists really, it's that we really meet it, we really feel it, we really, we very seldom see it. 
Mazumi Roshi expresses it a little differently. He says the Dharma, incomparably profound and infinitely subtle, is rarely encountered even in millions of ages. Now we see it, hear it, receive and maintain it. May we completely realize the Tathagata's meaning. And I think what this verse is pointing to is that the Dharma, the truth of this life, the justice of this life is here right now this evening as you meet your friends and you see each other, it's right here now. But we really and seldom meet it. Mizumi Roshi says, something is subtle, not because it is hidden, nor because it is elusive, but because it is right here. We don't see it precisely because it is right in front of us. And sometimes, often, most of the time, we don't meet it even if we have a practice. So let's go back to Hugh again and to the room. And the focus earlier for me was, would he pick up Zen mind, beginner's mind? And would he receive something through it? And from hearing the verse of opening the sutra, the focus has changed. The focus has changed to everything. It's the voices of Hugh and his friends and the gentle laughter coming through the open door. <clears throat> it is Zen mind, beginner's mind, but it's also Captain Corelli's mandolin. It's the host of tulips tumbling out of a crystal vase. It's the chocolate birthday cake. It's the pair of secateurs. It's the early bee buzzing around the room and the sparrows chattering in the trees and the sun catching the crystal vase, throwing light across the table and the gifts and across the room. The French writer Colette famously said, what a wonderful life I've had. I only wish, wish I'd realized it sooner. What a wonderful life I've had. I only wish I'd realized it sooner. So to begin with today, I've explored some stories with you. Some stories of what could be conceived of as missed opportunities but that's just from a small point of view. Between 1978 and 2008, I was living my life. And the Dharma was there, whether I was aware of it or had read Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind or not. So I have a question for you about that. And it's about the possibility of experiencing the Dharma, whatever happens. And the gift that we have of actually stumbling on the Dharma in our lives to give the expression of 
the wonder of this world, some shape, to give the shape of love, some way in which we can immerse ourselves in this practice. So I leave you with that question. Is it in the book? Is it in the flowers? Is it in the birthday cake? Is it in the host of tulips tumbling out of a crystal vase? What do we need to do to actually meet this life fully and really encounter it as fully as we are able to? So I hope my talk tonight has raised some questions about practice. And I look forward to meeting some of you to explore it. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, Suzanne. Hello, Josh. I am so glad to see you today. You. I've missed seeing you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, I'm just thrilled with how you threaded the stories together um, as a weaving, but also as a um, the telling of life, mm. both, you know, in what you imagined as Hugh's life, but also how you put together your life. It, it really felt to me um, almost like a... Um, um, that story that we're asked to tell anytime we take a major step in Zen practice. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been doing that myself kind of spontaneously as I go through my day. And recently, especially when I'm experiencing what we might call regret that at this point in my life, I haven't done enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you know, um, especially yeah. if I'm reading a story about something that's going on or hearing something on the news about, you know, the, the people in Ukraine and how they're helping each other. And and then I'll, I'll fall into the ditch of regret and then I'll go, wait a minute. It's really important to think in terms of what, how do I, how do I put these things together? Mm. How do I put my former life together with this life? And I can see the threads as you so beautifully um, laid them out that created the weaving of your life. Thank you. Um, and, you know, in terms of your question, I also am very aware that with taking, kind of taking stock of where we are right now um, is an important step to take, but we need to do it with an open and compassionate heart mm. Mm. so that we can see the edge of our practice. Yeah, I love, I love what you're saying about that, Suzanne. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I feel is that actually having the benefit of a long life, you can see, you can see those patterns, you know, you can, you can talk about three decades passing and it's kind of, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow is a really good word yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and and how i know you know some people go oh I, I wish i'd found out about this earlier 
-hmm. It would have been so helpful. Mm -hmm. And maybe, but maybe, you know, I forget which teacher it was, but they said actually, you know, Zen practice affirms the life you've led. Mm -hmm. Brings it alive. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't begin somehow. You don't become a new, a new I. <laughs> yes. The other piece I really loved that you said and brought such cut in such clear relief is that the Dharma is always around us. It doesn't start the moment that we read something like Suzuki Roshi's book or anything else. It's always been there. And that's what's become my aspiration every morning or what I call prayer sometimes is that I see the blessing that's always in front of me. Mm. And that's weaving in my life always. So that um, I know that. And I don't just know it in my mind or my brain. I know it in my body. Yeah. I go, oh, here this is. Here, here it is right now. Yeah. This is the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And rather than being scared about being on the edge, it's pretty exhilarating being here. Because there's life, isn't there? There's life living on the edge. That's right. Of a question. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I... I um, I was thinking about um, a film I really love, and um, I think it's a Steve Martin film, and he says some things, and somebody says, what do you mean? And he says, I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, with a trying to, trying to express something in this practice is actually really hard. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm -hmm. I love the way that you're talking about, you know, meeting each, each moment, each thing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, I had shoulder surgery, so. Oh. Kind of all wrapped up, but I, I um so this will work. Yeah. Let's see. There we go. Uh so Josh, I love your story and it reminded me too of a way seeking mind talk. And when you ask the question, where is it? I think, you know, if I if I remember back right, I thought, well, it's not actually in a thing. Hmm. It's in between. No, it doesn't land somewhere. It's more like process and a happening. And um, that's been that's that's been a, I read I read something, I don't remember the author, and she said that awakening is between people. Yeah. What happens between? And I think that's what spoke to me when you asked the question and I looked up between and the etymology I think is by two hmm. which is um I think it's by one actually hmm. Hmm. you know and so 
So I just wanted to offer that. I love the question and thank you for 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 your talk and for for you know bringing up these thoughts about it. It's really powerful. I love what you're saying about between because I sort of planning the talk. I was thinking, well, you know, the, the giver and the gift and the relationship is 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 the thing um, between a Buddha and a Buddha. And, uh, I, I I love that you pointed to that because it feels like it's um, that's the aliveness. It is the aliveness, yeah. right? That's that's where we know we're alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. Hope your shoulder heals. <laughs> well. I I me too. I think it will. Mm. I like thank your shoulder. <laughs> We have Jim next. Hi, Jim. I really enjoyed kind of what came up in me as I listened to you weave those stories. Um, I, and one thing that came up was I remember when I was 25 at a retreat, having somebody much older tell me that they wished that they had, you know, found a path at, you know, that young of an age. Mm. And being kind of startled by that and puzzled. And as I remember it now, I feel like what I've done, I'm 70 now, <clears throat> is for the past 45 years, I'd maybe pick up the book and then, but mainly it's just been sitting there. Yeah. You know, and picking up the book and allowing myself to be present is always new. Mm. You know, there's just no difference in the experience of it mm. than 45 years ago. There's just this moment and stuff flows through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really resonate with what you're saying about that, about you know, looking at it at different times and feeling, yeah, it's always new. And I see, uh, you know, these faces in front of me. You know, and there's just this possibility of us being here, present together. Yeah. And each of you have, you know, those stories. Um, and there's just something magical about it. The realization of that, how how rich it is, mm. and uh, that's about all I have to say. <laughs> well, your your presence, as you say that, really touches me. I can feel it deepens my sense of being here with everyone. That just this is it. 
yeah like it, it it's possible to meet it yeah and it's so fleeting yeah Beautiful and fleeting. Thank you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Bridget next. Hi, Bridget. Hello, Josh. It's good to be with you, and I was yeah. very touched by your remarks and the way you've um, created such a strong image. I'm a very visual person, and um, I know you can't see it, but I'm going to hold it up to my screen. You painted oh. such a full picture of the table. I had to draw the tulips and the table and the books oh. and the cake, <clears throat> and um, I feel like you have inspired me to, to become a sense of potter again because my art supplies are sitting behind me and they've been left aside for a while so i just want you to know that you're inspiring me to be in touch with that creative side of myself that's great can you feel it in your body can you feel like a it's, it's just welling up inside me so no. uh, that's what's happening with me right now and i just want no. to express my gratitude and to everyone here present today it's and hear your views and remarks thank you so much well thank you for your shape of love thank you for yours <clears throat> hello. hello hello josh so nice to see you and um i would love to be at that birthday party <laughs> you painted such a lovely and congenial scene. Um, well, you, and, were at, you were at it, Rosemary. Oh, I yes, I was. <laughs> you were at it. <laughs> it was lovely to be invited and to be there and share in it. Um, something you said about being able to read some people's shape of love and being harder to read others um, really hit me today. Um, I walk on Tuesdays before this with two friends, and one of them I know very well, and the other I don't know as well. And um, the one I don't know so well, we have a difficult time communicating. Mm -hmm. And I think that I interpret this as her really not liking me and um, something happened, we were walking in a park and um, she got behind me and said, Rosemary, you need to take a look at this bush. The bush was bare because it's very cold, so wintry here. And I go, okay, well, why? We're both gardeners, but she's much more experienced. She said, it's it's pretty berry. I think she said that it's really beautiful and you know does a different thing in the in the fall than it does in the summer. And she has, I have a terrace garden, she has a real garden. And she yeah. she's going to be giving me things. I think that's what she's trying to say. So it really shot down my impression, my reaction to our, you know, having a little difficulty with, with communicating. Um, so you asked the question, well, how, you know, how would Colette have known sooner 
that she had such a, a good life. And um, I thought, well, for myself to respond to those who I do read their shape of love well. Yeah. To, to respond to those who I don't similarly and with more patience. Mm. So that, that was my thought about that. Yeah, I love that because I find that really helpful you know, for my own practice. It sometimes, you know, can be tricky, um, but then something disarming happens. You know, your friend comes up behind you and shows you a plant and it's like, oh, this is a channel for her love. It, you know, it may be really hard for her, but this is what she's showing me something. That's what I was thinking that too, because she came here when she was 11 mm. from China. So, you know, she started with a completely different culture here. Mm. So yes, it may be hard for her. And this is, you know, there's a lot to those thoughts. But anyway. and I, what I, I notice sometimes I, I will have, you know, opinions then about people and it's really disarming when you think, oh, actually, you know, they're really doing their best. It's hard. It's hard. Right. And, and right. just, I really like your openness about, you know, the, the, your practice, really, with this, with this person. It's lovely. Mm. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Lovely mm. to see you. Lovely to see you, too. <clears throat> we have Gail next. <laughs> Oh, hi, Gail. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Josh. I'm really enjoying this, this inquiry session. Mm, I love you. your ability to, to set the um, stage. Mm. And then we all move along with you um, in, in the story and the weaving. It's beautiful. Thank you. Great. Oh, thank you. Um, So the, the part that really struck me is when you were talking about love yeah, and, you know, the little part about um, feeling maybe a little bit rejected, you know, by your family and then having the perception changed, um, you know, by your wife. Mm -hmm. And um, that happens to me a lot. Mm. Um, but what, um, what I wanted to say is I sometimes think that my idea of what love is is way too small. very, very small, and it has to do with special people and certain, you know, ways that you speak to me or the things, the expectations that I have. Mm. And early on, I realized that I really didn't know what love was at all. Um, so about 10 years ago, I began the inquiry about what is it really? Mm. When we talk about unconditional love, what, what does that even mean? Mm. Because I looked at my life and realized I don't think I really express unconditional love. Mm -hmm. It usually is tied with, you know, my expectation of you, or if you hurt my feelings or didn't, or mm -hmm. if you're really related to me, or, you know, if maybe you're some, I don't know, political figure I don't like, well, I don't love you, mm -hmm. you know, and so I realized how limited it is. And then I heard a phrase that really kind of woke me up. Um, and it was everything without exception is love. 
or oh. or a call for love. Yeah. So now when I feel, you know, that there is, you know, something, maybe somebody's attacking me verbally or, you know, um, or maybe even I'm having a judgment. Mm. It's, it's all love or call for love. It's like mm -hmm. confused love. <laughs> and when I look back at my life and I think of um, events that happened that didn't feel very loving, mm -hmm. and yet there was so much growth that happened. And then maybe a new closeness in that relationship after we resolved things. And I'm thinking it was all love, even when it didn't feel like it. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like you, when, when we look back, it's like, I wish I'd realized it earlier. You know what Colette said? It's like, it, it was all love, but I didn't realize it, you know? Um, and I love that, you know, that, that call to love, because it's very hard to, <clears throat> it's very possible for us to get kind of fossilized and there's no way out, but the call to love. Right. Even, even when it's really difficult, like, oh, this could be a call to love. That's so helpful. Well, right, because with my, um, let's say my, you know, close family members, when, when somebody says something that really hurts my feelings, if I'm able to look at it as a call for love, both within me because of my reaction mm. and maybe because of um, some belief that they have where they're confused mm. about what's happening and are attacking or defending. You know, it's all, there's nothing outside of love, I think is what I'm saying. Nothing, mm. nothing. That's really so beautiful. Thank you for expanding the the possibilities so much for us. Really appreciate it. Oh, and thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you, Gail. Okay, we have Aralyn next. All right. Is hi, it, Hi, Josh. Uh, I'm Erilyn in Austin, and um, I'm very extroverted, but somehow when I get on these Zoom things like this, I never do it because I just get so freaked out, but it's really silly. But I wanted to share something that was really helpful to me. I was saying, you know, similar to what I've heard, you know, my relatives don't respect me. They don't love me. They're just critical, and they just mirroring you. And then there was another event where a you know, a friend and uh, was kind of like that and critical and, you know, and usually when I say something like that, they bring it on me as to how I could be better, how I could work with those people better, how I could be a different person to be suitable to them or whatever. And what she said in a very quick, flashy thing, she said, they just don't know how to love you like the rest of us do. Oh. And I thought, yeah, this is really not about me. There are a lot of people that love me, mm. but these people just don't know how. Yeah. And it's a different way than I've ever looked at it before. And so um, I kind of keep that in my mind when I uh, get in some of those places. It's like, they just don't not know how to love me like the other people do. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's all I have to say. About that's a really great perspective, isn't it? That love, we learn love. Yeah. We learn love. Thank you. Thank you, Aralyn. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and we have Joel next. Oh, hi, Joel. Hi, Josh. I'm so hi. delighted that you're leading inquiry today. And this that was such a beautiful introduction. I love the 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 visual evocation of the place and the people and the time and mm -hmm. and the bee and the flowers and everything uh, I, I, I was uh, what Gail said was a lot of what I wanted to say about the opportunities for discovering love and and the opportunity love or a call for love that's that's so fantastic what the way she put it mm -hmm. Uh, and and I, what I wanted to say was that that there are what I'm amazed by in this life that I have in the with the conditioning I have and and the and the the way in which I've approached my life is the way that that love and opportunities to discover renew themselves. Mm. So, like you, I've had times when I felt like I've been cut from the team and and nobody warned me about this and and that kind of stuff and um, and I've had so many times in my life when I've picked up a book that has come to be very meaningful to me over time but I just read the bread re re recipes you know yeah. and I put it aside <laughs> until later it's like wait this is a great book there's all kinds yeah. of things besides the recipes uh, and and that these are these are these opportunities that come again and again that renew moment by moment and they may be they may be reconsiderations of things of, of, from the past or they may be brand new and uh, that's just I, I, I just take so much hope from the way you have you have woven your own story of things that you put aside for a while or didn't pay too attention to in a certain way, but that later on blossomed for you, you know. Yeah. I love the way you're describing, you know, the, the your, your journey um, through, through that and through almost, you know, there's, there's an acceptance of, of, oh, okay, now I'm reading this. Indeed, and that's been a, that's been an important thing in my life is to just to not always take it as a bad thing that I didn't read it before, but it's like oh now it's here it is again, and I and now I can discover something from it that I hadn't before. So that is that acceptance is a, is something that I've learned from Flint and from from Peg and from the wonderful community that we're in. Yeah, that's beautiful. That that and of course, you know, a loving family and wonderful friends. Very blessed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good to see you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for this.
We have uh, Moira next in time for the lightning round, as Flint calls it. <laughs> Hi, Moira. You're mute, muted? No, yeah, I think you're there. Great. Great to meet you and thank everyone for such great teachings today. Um, I want to express uh, just a little bit of um, gratitude for the lightness um that's come through today um i think about love uh i recently had a, a a deep loss a bereavement and the outpouring of love that came to me i told somebody it was so rich i felt like i'd eaten had to eat a whole room of chocolate hmm. which is too much hmm. it was hard to metabolize and receive that of that tenderness and its broken openness and intensity. And um, I've been in it, you know, the soup, as I like to call it, I've been in the soup a bit. <laughs> and today, somehow with your story and all of the stories and the lightness and the generosity of the love, it occurred to me that sometimes for me in this learning process that it's actually easier than I remember it to be. Yeah. I can remember to let it be easier. As yeah. simple as a tulip or the light coming through the glass or chocolate cake in moderation. <laughs> um, it's just lovely. And I'm really grateful for that, you know, the ease um, too. I think the word I sometimes use is uh, strive. I strive so hard in my little human way to understand and you know guard and all of it and it's just been lovely to experience a little lightness and i i appreciate that and the stories are lovely <laughs> thank you all and thank you josh well, i really appreciate you right at the end bringing in light and ease and i can see it on on your on your smiles <laughs> it's a beautiful way to to end maybe we'll, maybe we'll practice with lightness and ease may we all thank mm. you I think we're pr pretty much at our uh, the end of our time uh, now. So um, tonight's verse is the um, verse of opening the sutra, um, which Maria is going to put on the screen uh, for us. And uh, if you look at the last line, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words beautiful way to end our, our evening together. So we'll say the verse of opening the sutra. An unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Having it to see and listen to, remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. <clears throat> Thank you very much, everybody. And I now hand over to Maria. Hi, thank you so much, Josh, for such a wonderful, rich talk and conversation that followed afterwards. A wonderful friend and teacher. Thank you, Josh. And uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. 
and it could be this morning this afternoon or this evening depending on where you are in the world and if you'd like to make a contribution to Appamada, please do go to the website i'll put it in the chat at appamada.org forward slash contribute and there you'll see an opportunity to either make a one-time payment or to sign up for regular payments and please do check out the calendar when you're on the website and look at all the rich opportunities to participate in different events on there thank you all so much and if you'd like to continue to meet and share please do join myself and others for a further 30 minutes on the virtual porch and we'll continue to have a conversation so thank you all so much